Hello, everyone. This is Season 2, Episode 5 of Fed Talks. I am your host, Jimmy Chrisman. Welcome to Fed Talks. It's a podcast for theater teachers and theater education students, where each week I bring you stories and interviews from experienced K-12 theater teachers, current theater education majors, and professors of theater education that will warm your heart, renew your faith in teaching, and provide you plenty of resources to better your practice in your theater classroom. Thanks so much for checking out our latest episode. I'm excited to bring this interview to you today. It is an interview with tech theater teacher Mel Edwards. She is a tech theater teacher at Rouse High School in Leander, Texas. In my conversation with Mel, she talked about her her experiences that led her to where she is, um, giving her kids total agency of, of running things and and giving them the tools, literally the tools, but also figuratively the tools to be able to be successful and and run the theater department as a little theater company. Um, I also really appreciated the the conversation that she had with me uh, regarding being a a woman in a male-dominated field, particularly with tech theater and what we're doing, and um, also addressing the fact that she is a Hispanic woman in in the times that we're living right now and what that means for her students. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. This is the part three of my tech theater unit. So here's my conversation with Mel Edwards. Well, I want to welcome my next guest to Fed Talks. This is Mel Edwards. She is a high school technical director in Texas. She's been at Belton High School for six years, and next year we'll be starting at a new school, Rouse High School in Leander. Um, so, Mel, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about um, where you've been teaching and and kind of what you do, and uh, just kind of give us the, the little backstory leading up to where you are now. Um, okay, um, I have been teaching high school for six years and I was at Belton High School um, and that has been the only school that I have been to. I recently uh, decided to take a job at Rouse High School in Leander and that's where I'll be starting my seventh year teaching. Um, How I got started into teaching actually I have an alternative certification uh, in theater. Um, I actually went to college for veterinary medicine uh and then i decided that that wasn't the route that i really wanted to take um and i didn't do theater in high school i was actually a bad nerd in high school and so was i I. yeah (laughs) and my my high school did not have a very um good theater program it was mainly an after-school program that was taken, you know, uh, the art teacher would do after school. Well, I think one year was the art teacher, the next two years was like a history teacher, and then the last year was like an English teacher or something like that. So it was definitely just after school, there was no theater of the class. Um, and so I just did, I just did, I just did band, but I did take shop in high school, which I think led to what I do now. Uh, when I went to college, I was, I was like, I want to be a veterinarian, and I went through all these classes and sciences and all kinds of crazy stuff and uh, my junior year um some stuff happened with my advisor I kept having a new advisor every year and uh my advisor was like well when are you going to pick a major and I was like what I don't I I have to pick a major and she's like yeah yeah you know you have all these classes but you have to graduate with something and I was like I no one told me this and so after like some researching, it was going to take me like another five years to finish with a biology degree or another like four years for a chemistry degree. And I don't know what. And um, I had been working 
for three years or four years at the PAC on campus, um, I went to the University of Texas at Austin. And so I was in the PAC and I got the job there because I knew how to use power tools from my shop class in high school. And so I was doing that and I was super stressed out and everybody there was like, well, why don't you like do this for a living? Like you're pretty good at building things and um, you can do this. And I was like, I can do this for a living. This is so much fun. And so I switched my majors and I was in school for another two years. And all I did was take just theater and technical theater classes. And then I graduated. Um, I went and I moved to DC for a while. And I was a, one of three carpenters at the studio theater in DC. And I loved every minute of it. It was super fun. Um, I loved it. And, but I really, really miss Texas. So I came back to Texas. My family's from here. And I got a job in Austin. But um, the community theater in Austin is very small. And a lot of technical directors or people that build sets, um, they, they kind of hold on to those jobs forever. And so I can work as overhire. And Austin has a really big music scene. And so <clears throat> if I wanted to do lighting, there's a, there's a ton of lighting jobs right? Because music and venues and stuff like that. But as far as like building sets, it's very limited. And so I actually took a job building cabinets and furniture at a shop in Austin. Um, and then after working there for a while, my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, was like, hey, you know, why don't you think about doing something with your degree? <laughs> and I said, okay. And like, what? He's like, well, why don't you teach? And well, technical theater wasn't really a thing back when or te technical theater in high school wasn't a thing when I graduated college. Now it's, it's huge and, you know, people have their own classes, or schools have their own classes and stuff like that. And so I was like, well, I think I think I can do this. So I got my certification. I applied at Belton and, I've, and I was there for six years and that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at. At Belton, were you, were technical theater classes the only thing you taught? Yes. We, that was the only thing I taught. And before me, there was not a technical director there. It was just a one director and Belton is actually a 6A uh, high school. Um, and so it's, a, it's the biggest of the conferences. Uh, it used to be a 5A and then it went up to 6A. And it was, it was just one director for a really long time. And then they hired just a technical director, which was me. And so I kind of started the program there. Tell me about the classes that you taught and, and what, other, what other duties you may have had on top of just just you're, uh, on top of your teaching load yeah um so part of my job when I was hired was I had to maintenance the PAC and also tech it so teching we call it teching events and it's basically if there's a junior meeting or a class meeting I have to go in there and set the projector up and set the mic up or if there's an outside group that runs our facility I have to be there to open the doors and make sure that Stuff is there. So I kind of, I don't really, I guess I manage the events. I don't schedule them, but I just tech them. And uh, so part of my job is that. So I, it's half maintenance, half teaching. So I actually only teach an advanced tech class, which is tech two through four, and then some tech, two tech one classes. And then the rest of my day. Oh, and I also co-teach our, we call it our varsity theater group which is our group that we use for our one act. And some people call it production, production classes. Um, we call it varsity. 
Awesome. Um, and I know you, you, you share with me in your email when you reached out to me uh, about your students, uh, you teach them to do it all. Um, and from what you've told me, you're also a, kind of a jack of all trades. Um, I know you said your um, scenic carpentry um, is where your main background is, but you also sew and you just pretty much do it all. So um, I know uh, several of the teachers that I've talked to have, have the philosophy of, of teaching their students to do it and, and run things um, like a little theater company. And so can you tell me about your process and how you get your students to that point? So I am, okay. So I kind of start off with my kids and I tell them, look, whenever we have a, our first company meeting and I meet my crew kids and some of them I know, some of them I don't know, but this is what I tell them. And I'm very honest. I was like, I don't need your help to do this show. I can do this show all by myself. I can sew all the costumes and I can build all the, uh, scenery and so I don't need your help I want your help I want you to be a part of this process and we're gonna have fun and so they're like oh, okay cool uh, they, they're kind of like a little bit put off by it or, or they're kind of like they don't know what to think but after a while they kind of see that I know what I'm talking about all right and and I know how to do all this other stuff and so they just they just want to learn they see it and they see me doing it and they're like oh teach me how to do that teach me how to do that so when, so I'm very um, patient <laughs> with my kids. <laughs> and I think, I think you have to learn to have, always have a plan B. So I'll tell a kid, hey, I need you to figure out what this vintage microphone is supposed to look like. And they're like, well, how do, how do I do that? So you have a phone? They're like, yeah, I have a phone. It's on YouTube. It, Google it. Show me a picture of what you want it to look like. And then they're like, okay, cool, I'll do it. And I'll be back in I'll be back in ten minutes and see where you're at. And they're like, okay, in those ten minutes, I'm already thinking, okay, if this kid really messes it up, how am I going to save this project uh, if this kid can't do it? And then I'll come back and you know, nine out of ten times they've they've got a plan. They just need help kind of executing it. So I really just throw my kids to the wolves. Um, same thing too with tools. Whenever we're building sets and stuff. I'm like, hey, have you ever used a jigsaw? And they're like, no, I don't know what that is. Cool, it's that yellow thing over there. All right, I'm going to show you how you use it, blah, 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 this and this. Watch where your fingers are. Uh, make sure you have 10 fingers when you leave this project, this news, whatever. Okay, I'm leaving. I'll be back. And I just leave them. Like, and you know, I watch them for a little bit, but I kind of like, I definitely let them do it. I don't baby them. I'm not afraid to give them things to do because they want to do. They want to learn. They want to, we're, we're kind of in this, um, maker movement where everybody wants to be an artist be an artisan and make things that are homemade and handmade and you know make a name for themselves crafting and I think these kids the, the technical theater I think the perfect place for some of these kids and for kind of where they're at in society right now um but yeah and so I kind of train them and and my whenever we do crew after school, it's kind of chaotic because I'll spend like five, 10 minutes instruction, uh, giving instructions to set. Then I'll like run across the PAC to where the costume people are sitting, are sitting and then I'll give them like 10, 15 minutes uh, of instruction and directions. And I'll run around and I'll try to find prop people. And then I'll try and find the people who are pulling costumes. And then I'll come back to sets and then I'll go and check in the booth for the sound people. And I'm literally just running around. And so there's not really a whole lot of time for me to do it all. And so my kids know because I have to check up all in these areas that they have to be self-sufficient. Like they get it. They're like, oh, she's busy. It's cool. I won't ask her. I'll just Google it first. And then I'll ask her if I can do it. 
Well, I love one of my favorite things that I love when I taught my tech theater classes when I was still in the classroom was um, that like the the kids who were absolutely terrified to even touch the tools. Um, and I'm like, no, today this is what we're doing today. You're, we're we're gonna we're gonna use the drill. We're gonna we're gonna you know use the jigsaw. We're gonna, this is gonna happen. So, um, and then and teaching them and them being so comfortable with it in class. And then I would always make my tech class come to our um, like all company. Uh, set nights or, or, or tech nights that we would have before the big show where we do all the fight, finish everything and, and do all the finishing touches. And, and so like the cast would be there. And of course they're, they've never touched the jigsaw. Um, and I could look over and it's like, Hey Julie, go take little Bobby over there and teach him how to use this. And you all finish off this piece. And Julie's like, yeah, I got this. Let's go. Um, so that was always really cool for me to see um, kind of how their confidence grew with it. And, and their, um, that they, that they trusted themselves eventually and and they knew that I trusted them as well. So um, I appreciate, appreciate what you do with your kids with that. Well, and I think also um, as like my first year, nobody kind of knew how to do anything. We had this one kid uh, who he was the stage manager. He was a set builder. Like he, he was also an Eagle Scout. And so he already knew how to do all of those things, but he, every, like we all, the director always relied on him to do it and then he was a senior that year and I'm like what are you going to do when he leaves like you haven't trained anybody else so like nobody else knew how to do anything but over the years as I've trained them like they have trained other kids and so kind of self-perpetuate and they train each other and 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 I I don't know how common it is but I do I've heard a couple of stories um when you go to conferences and stuff like that that sometimes directors are afraid to give their kids like tools right and and they're afraid to and even like some middle school teachers are afraid to give their middle schoolers how glue guns and I'm like well I mean I can understand they can burn this up but at some point you have to just empower them and you just have to be like you 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 need to do this well how um how do you how do you go about teaching uh the safety uh, components in your classes because uh, I know that's extremely <laughs> especially with tech theater so um, what how do you go about doing that in order to give them that agency to get to go on and and continue to learn and do more okay so I, I, I laugh because I I have a very dark sense of humor and I'm very <laughs> sarcastic and I'm very blunt and so the way I teach my kids safety is I show them every video I could possibly find about like what about accidents that happen. Um, and uh, so I say, you know, I think for me, it's like if I have full disclosure with my kids and I say this will happen, uh, if you, this is your, your finger will get cut off. Yes, it will get cut off. And this is what it looks like when your finger heals after it's been cut off. Right. Or, or something. And, and I don't show like graphics. Them. But uh, uh, an example is um, saw stop, right? Saw stop. Everyone's using the, those types of uh, table saws because there's technology and stuff like that. They have a really good video um, that talks about stories on people who have had accidents and have lost fingers when when they were using a regular uh, table saw. So they're like um, survivor stories, I guess you could say. And so I show them this video and you know, they're just like, oh my God, like the table saw is dangerous. I said, yeah, it is dangerous. Like all of these tools, you have to respect, you have to respect them. They, they can cause harm. And 
um, when I talk about the bandsaw, I tell them, you know, the bandsaw was used for cutting meat in slaughterhouses and all this stuff. Like it will cut your finger easily. No big deal. And they're like, oh, okay. You know, so kind of in a way, kind of installing a little bit of fear <laughs> in a weird way um, kind of makes them more aware of what they're doing. Because, you know, you know, boys, everything's a sword, right? Like a piece of pipe is a sword, a piece of wood is a sword, like everything's a sword. And so I think just kind of giving them full disclosure and just telling them like, this is dangerous and this is why and this is what happened kind of gives them a little bit more of an awareness. And they do it with all tools, like with the pneumatic, you know, uh, stapler, with hammers. Like I just, I just give them everything. Like these are, this is what could go wrong. All right. Um, I want to shift gears just for, uh, for a moment and, and uh, just address the, the elephant that people may be seeing in the room right now is that, that you are a woman. Um, a female tech director, and that's very rare. And I think that's fantastic. Um, I've, oh, cool. <laughs> I've talked quite a bit in the last uh, few months about uh, representation of, of teachers of color in the classroom, of um, LGBT issues. Um, and I, I, I also think, and I specifically work with my students on um, uh, gender representation in the classroom. Um, so can you, can you share a little bit about your, your experience with that? Because I think that's fantastic. And I wish there were more of you um out there so okay um uh, well yes uh, one uh, i'm female right um two i'm a minority i'm hispanic uh so i got all that cool stuff going for me whatever right um i have never really faced discrimination in my job which is which is good um i have faced kind of more doubt so I walk into a room, I'm very short, um, I'm a small person. And so sometimes people are like, well, you can do this, you can do that. And and sometimes it's more just kind of a disbelief and, and a doubt more than, more than a discrimination. You know, it's never hostile, but it's, you know, unbelievable, I guess, sometimes to a point. Um, in the classroom, the best thing that I that I love happens is when we're learning how to use the impact. And I tell these, these group of boys, they're like, hey, here, I want you to use this impact. I want you to drive this screw into these two two by fours for practice and this. They can't get it in. Gets, it's like a three inch screw. And I purposely like do a, a, the biggest one I have. And they get halfway and they're like, miss, I can't do it, miss, I can't. I mean, it, it doesn't want to go. It doesn't want to go, it sucks. And I'm like, okay, cool, give me the impact. And I take the impact and I drive it all the way through. And they're like, oh, you got schooled, you got schooled. And it's so funny because like, they think that because I'm a woman, like I can't do it, right? And they're boys and they can do it. And then they can't, well, we can't do it, you can't do it. And then I kind of show them up. Um, <laughs> and it's kind of fun. Um, I, I am very much, I'm not a hardcore feminist, but I am kind of a, um, I can do anything better than you type of mentality um, because I have to. Um, I feel like I have to prove myself more than a, a man twice my size, like at a, at a job interview or something. And so I definitely walk a little straighter and my head's a little higher. Um, but I think, I think it really helps that I am a female in my program because I, I firmly believe that in order to empower your students, you need to empower yourself. And I think that, I think women see, or like other 
female students and they see that I can do all these things and they're like, oh, this is amazing. Like I can do those things too. Um, so. (laughs) (laughs) When, uh, when I was in the classroom, I never had, I never had trouble getting boys in my program. Um, I, I, I am a non-technical theater person. I fully admit that what I have learned, I have learned on my own and, I think I have good ideas, but I don't have all the know-how to make it all happen. Um, but I never had I never had challenges getting boys to audition for my shows. Um, whereas I noticed a lot of my uh, female colleagues um, would tell me they would, and they said that I probably have an easier time because the boys see me, and and they're like, "Oh, a guy can do theater too. That's that's cool." Um, have you have you seen that as far as um, with your with your female students? Um, do you do you have a do you have quite a few female students in your tech program? Actually, I do. And, and that's a good point to bring up. When I first started um, at Belton, our program was pretty much all boys. Um, and right now, like, I think last, this past year in our musical, and musicals are our biggest event, in our musical, I think out of like 60 crew members, we only had... Well, let's say let's say set members, set crew members. We only had two boys, and all the rest were all girls. And we had about twelve set crew people. And so our program, my tech program, is more girls right now than it is boys. And I don't think it it has to deal with like, oh, you're a female and you're in part, you know, whatever. I think I think our program in general. We got a new director about two years ago, and I think our program in general kind of shifted. And, you know, we started, I, there's always going to be more girls in, in theater than boys um, as far as acting, right? Like, there, you can always find girl parts, but, um, or female parts. And so um, it was just having these boys that needed to be somewhere. I attract, like, other girls to want to do what I want to do, but I also attract boys because even though they're boys and they they see me pick up a giant four by eight platform, they're like, if she can do it, I can do it. And so, you know, boys always have the, I guess the machismo, like, yeah, let's go pick up heavy things. And so, um, whereas, so there's no like can't do attitude in my program because of that. Like if I can do it, you can do it. I'm a girl, you're a guy, you're stronger than me. You can do it. And if you're a girl, you're a girl, I'm a girl. We can both do it. So, I kind of work both ways, but my program is definitely more girls than boys at the moment. Which I think is, is not that I think the representation of you as a, as a female teacher in that position is good for the girls. I think it's also good for the boys um, and, and kind of putting some of those, those thoughts in check uh, and, and, and checking what they uh, kind of what their, their norm is and what they're, what they're, they've always thought and, and challenging that and changing that. So Good for you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, I also will say we talk a lot about tech construction and all that stuff, but my best sewers are boys. Uh, I've had some, some, they fight me. They fight me a lot when, especially when we start in class. They're like, we're going to sew. But I have a lot of boys that sometimes say, oh, I know how to sew. I already know how to hand sew. I sew with my grandma. Oh, really? You sew with your grandma? Yeah, I sew with my grandma. And I, always try and relate the sewing to like things that they like. So I talk about the automotive industry where if you know how to sew, you can upholstery, upholstery cars and you get paid a lot of money for custom stuff like that. And, 
I try to talk to them about like leather work and you know I try to I try and talk about sewing in a more masculine environment as opposed to costumes and I have boys that end up loving it and they're like oh it's like a it's like driving a car uh, yeah it's, it's like driving a car or, or it's like using a bandsaw right you're still you're kind of controlling the fabric like yeah it's like so I just try and relate it to them in a like I said a more masculine environment and it works and like I said some, some of my best sellers are boys well that's just good teaching though I mean and taking taking what you're doing and relating it to their real lives I mean that's that's important because if they can see a need for it outside of what they're just doing with you, then, I mean, you've taught them not just skills for what you're doing in your class with theater, but you've taught them life skills too. Um, and they may not realize that at the moment, but down the road, they're like, oh, remember Miss Edwards taught me that? I do. Yeah. Um, yeah I, had a, I had a kid who uh, went off to the military and he sent me a message. Yeah, I mean, this was maybe like five years ago. Um, he went out to the military and he like sent, you know, sent me a message back and said, you know, hey, thanks for teaching me how to sew. Like I sew all my military patches onto my uniform myself and I've even gotten paid to sew my friends' patches onto their like uniforms and special things. And I was like, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are your what are some of the, the favorite like maybe your top two or three lessons that you teach that you uh you might could share with us, like the abridged version of um, I think my favorite, one of my favorite projects to teach is my, my Foley sound project. Uh, I, teaching sound design is really difficult, I think, for a lot of people because they don't understand it. And I'm not a sound person. I don't, if you tell me like, hey, here's an amp, here's a microphone connected, I'd be like, uh, let me YouTube this, right? But uh, uh, sound is just really hard for a lot of people to teach. So I teach a Foley sound instead. Um, I made a couple of props. I made my own wind machine, my own little door that like opens and closes and has like so or locks on it to make noises. Um, I made my own thunder tube. So I made a couple of props and stuff. But basically what I do with these kids is I say, hey, I want you to find a comic book. And uh, I want you to cut the comic book up into slides. And then you're going to have to create a sound to go with that comic book. So if, a, if Batman punches Robin, you need to find a punch. You need to make a punch sound, right? And so these kids perform it live. So I got the idea from this comic book called the, the Intergalactic Nemesis. And they have a cool YouTube channel. And it's basically like an original comic book. And you can see it performed live on stage. And I've seen it live too. And they have voices for all the characters in the thing. And they have like a live pianist making music. You know, it's like a live Foley sound. And it's like the coolest thing. And so I have kids that do a Spider-Man one, a Watchmen comic. Um, and it's just fun watching them perform. And they're like reading these comic strips. And they're like banging on things. And it kind of makes the story come alive. So that, that's my Foley project. Um, and then my other project is my scenic painting project which I do with my advanced kids. My advanced kids, um, they take a vintage poster and they learn to uh, grid it up to like a giant, I mean, a bigger size, about two feet, two feet tall. And then they have to grid out the paper and enlarge it and have to like match all of these colors to the poster. And then they have to like recreate it and paint it. Uh, some years I use a bamboo stick, which they totally hate. Uh, and then other years I just say, okay, cool. Just draw it because I, you know, I need you to teach like some of these kids that I have in tech class don't also take art. Some of them are really are already artistically inclined, but in art is where you learn 
those drawing skills. And so I try and kind of combine it all to one, all into one and have them both draw and paint at the same time. That's really cool. That's really cool. Uh, and your uh, the Foley project, that, what a way to get your, uh, your, your tech kids to, to act as well. Cause a lot of yeah. the, my tech kids were the ones who were like, I am terrified to act. I'm not doing it. I'll build things for you all day, but I'm not acting. And then that's just, that's a really cool way to, to kind of bridge that gap for them. Um, how kind of forget, I'm sorry. They kind of forget that they're acting because to them, they're just reading. They're just reading off the thing. And I, I have a lot of actor kids that also take tech. And so if they are willing to make the voice, make a character voice like it kind of breaks the ice for the non-tech kids because they're like oh he's having fun i can have fun too that's really cool how do you because i i have experienced um not in my program because i i i was very adamant about creating a culture where um the technicians and the actors were um equal um, and we couldn't do the show or do anything that we were doing without each other um have you run into anything uh with having to I don't know, maybe distinguish or, or uh, get rid of a culture of the us versus them mentality with techies versus actors or um, how, how do you go about creating that, that culture where everyone is respected? Well, when I first started, it was definitely um, actors definitely saw that technicians, there was a divide. And a lot of the times they would say, Hey, um, I didn't, or I'd say, hey, I need you to move this box over there to the other side of the room. And they would move the box and it was in the wrong spot or something. I'd be like, hey, I asked you to move this box. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry, I'm not a techie. I don't, I don't know where it's supposed to go. And I'm like, being a techie has nothing to do with putting the box in the right spot. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think over the, I just see everybody equal. And that's the thing, like for musical, they're all musical kids. Like, I don't care if you come from choir or athletics or you're an actor or you're the musical kids, right? Everyone's a musical kid. Uh, same thing to the fall show. Everyone, everyone's a fall show kid. And I think we, me and the director really try hard to include everyone and to teach even actors like skill because we believe in being a real well-rounded person and trying to make our kids be good people. And um, when it comes around to, I think the first two two years I had to have quite a few company meetings and I, I would sit down and I would tell them like, you know, I would tell the actors, I was like, look, you cannot leave your costume on the floor. Um, Susie has been working on it all week. Um, and, you know, for you to just leave it on the floor after a rehearsal, like that's unacceptable because that's time and effort that she put. I said, if you're not going to take care of it, then you can make your own costume. You know, and so I definitely dropped the hammer. And and because we're always in the same spot, like when we build and sew and stuff, we are also, we are sewing and building on stage at the same time that the actors are blocking and rehearsing on stage. And so when they're off stage, they kind of like poke into the costume room or they poke into the shop and they're like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And oh, we're, oh, that's so cool. And so they physically can see the work that, the other kids are putting in and they just have a completely different respect. And I think, I don't know how it works in other programs, but if actors see the work that's happening, I think they have a greater appreciation for it. That, and we also have like tech days. So tech days is just like everyone mandatory. Everyone comes in, everyone helps. When we strike, we strike 
everyone stays for strike. Actors, students, I mean, actors, crew, everybody stays for strike. And you just pick up a hammer and I don't care if like you're a, you're the trash runner, but everyone stays and everyone helps. And I think having those tech days to kind of, I, I hate to say the word force, but force actors to kind of help, um, helps them see a different side of it. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, my my daughter uh, attempted to get involved in her drama program at her school this past school year, um, and she came home the first few times really dismayed. And finally, I got her to talk about it because um, I I didn't want to be that theater dad trying to inter- interject himself into what what they're doing with their theater program at her school. But she uh, she said that it's very much this the techies hate the actors and the actors hate the techies. And I, I'm not about that life. She said, I don't, I don't want to hate anyone. I don't want to go into this toxic place anymore. So she quit going and kind of broke my heart. Cause I'm like, that's, that's not what theater's about. That's not what this whole ensemble and ensemble extends beyond actors. Uh, that's not what that's about. So I appreciate hearing, hearing how you do that. And I'm sure some other teachers would, would love to hear that too. Um, do you have any, any, tech theater tips or tricks for us non-tech theater people that you could give us some some easy fixes to some things that may come up um for me whenever i think the the tech the tip for me is to learn as much as you possibly can about everything for me when i come and i hit a wall or i hit a problem chances are i'm going to youtube it and somebody out there has made probably a tutorial or something similar uh, to fixing it. Um, I pull a lot of techniques and ideas from different places. So I pull some uh, block printing ideas for wallpaper, which is like an art thing. I pull um, like some corset making ideas from you know, costume people from from historical reenactment people, right? That have t- tips and tricks about stuff like that. Um, I think, as far as I guess, just any tech tips. Um, everything's a prop. Uh, I kind of like hoard a lot of uh, materials and stuff because I I always look at the potential of a product, right? Like that that box. It, right now, it's a box but it, it doesn't need to be a box in a, in a, in a show. Um, so I think for me, it's just look at different, look at different areas of, or different industries um, that are still, that are artistic and creative and you can find so many different ideas and techniques. Yeah. I, one of my favorite things to do, I mean, I, I love going to see theater and, and we as theater people, I mean, we're, it's beat into us from our undergrad programs to analyze everything and, we rarely just sit and enjoy the show itself. But whenever I go see like a, like a national tour of a show or I go to New York and see something or I go up to Chicago and, and see something in the professional houses, I always pay attention to the, the, the lighting looks and the colors that they, that they put together. And, and I, re- I remember those combinations to like, how did I feel when I saw this combination? And if I need to recreate that, that mm, let me go back that green and purple look really great together in that. So let's mix that or, you know, or whatever. Um, but I, I, I think just constantly being those, that observer as well, um, taking in what you like, copy it, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I know, so my husband's not 
a theater person at all. Like he actually hates musicals. And if he hears this, he's probably gonna be like, I hate you. But, <laughs> um, but, but whenever we go and we do see musicals, cause he takes them because he loves me, right? And so we go and we watch them. But anytime like something flies in or rolls in or moves on itself, he's always like, how do they do that? How do they do that? How, how do they make that? How do, and it's like, I don't know. I don't know how they do that, you know? And so, but a, a part of being the observer is I see something cool on stage and I'm like, how do they do that? And so I will, in a way, obsess and I'll come home or, or, or during the intermission or, or on the drive home or something, I'm like YouTubing, like how did blah, 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 make blah, 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 blah come on stage or behind the scenes of such and such show. And so I become kind of obsessed, like trying to figure out how they did that. And then in going down that rabbit hole, I find all these other videos of all these other random maybe related or unrelated things and I'm like oh cool. oh yeah oh man I could totally do that in a show next time or you know and so you kind of just it's again being the observer and kind of being obsessed with with the theater magic yeah I, I I'm, I'm gonna shift gears a little bit because as you were talking um I, it made some some pictures from the your website pop into my mind of your work with your kids <laughs> and I I am obsessed and in love with your um, your newspaper costume project. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I, I, I did I did something like that, but not to the extent that you did, because the detail that's in those in the work of those kids that they did. I can you talk a little bit about how how your process of getting them to get that detailed with the work. Okay, so the newspaper costume is I tell them you're gonna you need to do a rendering. So the 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 prompt. Um, is I want you to create a costume for a character, but I want you to kind of make it the opposite. And they're like, well, I don't understand what I mean. Okay, well, so example, um, what would a Pokemon look like as a human? Like if you made a Pikachu dress, what would that look like, right? Or if Pikachu was a human, what would Pikachu look like? Um, same thing too with, you know, what if you dressed up Harley Quinn in the Victorian era, like what would she wear? You know, so I kind of give them like some prompts and I let them pick whatever they want. Um, but they have to, you know, I approve it. I tell them like, do give me your ideas. And sometimes these kids have these ideas and I'm like, mm, realistically, let's think about how you're going to make that happen. And they say, oh, okay, maybe not. Maybe I'll switch. And so they end up switching. But um, they have to create a rendering first. So full rendering, costuming, drawing, coloring, whatever. Um, of what their idea is going to look like. And then we kind of nitpick it and, and I tell them, you know, think about how you're going to make that skirt or how are the pleats going to look? And they're like, oh, okay, cool. Well, then, and they actually make their own dress form. So what they do is um, they pick a sacrificial student that puts on a trash bag and they wrap the student up in duct tape and then we cut them out and then we like tape the duct tape form back together stuff it with newspaper and great stuff, uh, kind of alternated in layers, let it dry. Um, and then we kind of shave off wherever it, you know, bulged out and we make a stand for it and then they're ready to go. And then they can start applying newspaper um, to the dress uh, once that's ready to go. And then I just tell them that, you know, papers kind of like fabric. Um, you're just not using a sewing machine, but you can like tape it together. You can like cut it and splice it and put tape over it. Cause when you paint it, it all looks the same. And they kind of really, really get into it because 
we all do it in my room and so they're in groups of like you know four or five people whatever but they see each other's projects and so they get competitive and so like oh you know oh man that's a cool sleep now we can totally we can totally do this better and so it's kind of like go, they start getting the mentality of like go big or go home and so then it just and then it turns into whatever it turns into and some of these are like really great like i would not imagine some of the kids that do this stuff like that they would come up with a product that they do come up with and i'm like this is this is amazing and it kind of get, gets them into thinking about design you know and sometimes they have to like cut things and they say like well this dress didn't or this the the, the sweetheart neckline of such and such just didn't work because it is it just it just looks weird and so they end up like redesigning it but if they redesign it they have to redraw it and re-render it so the rendering at the end of the day has to look exactly or you know pretty darn close to like what they actually made and so it's about just it also kind of gives them like how to make choices how to make aesthetically pleasing choices and how to deal with those choices i think that's a really cool project uh, so thank you for kind of sharing that process for me i would love to hear about one of your favorite um, stories from your career so far um it'd be a funny story a horror story or one of those meaningful moments that kind of impacted your world Okay, I have a funny story. I have two funny stories. Um, I'm really goofy with my kids. I'm in the trenches with my kids. I paint with them, I build with them, all that stuff. I don't just bark orders at them. Um, when we did Beauty and the Beast a couple years ago, we needed to create like a ledge for Gaston to like fall and die or whatever off the castle. So uh, I was like, well, how are we gonna do this? So some, some of my friends were like, well, you know, we put a platform and we put like a mattress on top of the platform and we kind of hit it and then he like fell off the mattress. Okay, cool. I was like, well, I don't have money for a mattress. I don't have a mattress. I don't have a twin bed. What are we gonna do? I had a, a student, she's like, oh, I have a futon we could use. We could use the mattress off the futon. Okay, cool. So she brings us to school, we put on this platform and the platform is only like, I would say 18 inches lower than the other platform, right? And so it was hidden, so I didn't need to go far. So we did it, whatever, it was cool. And then I was like, well, I should probably test this before I let him actually fall and like make sure it's okay. So like it's me and all my kids, they're like watching me. And I was like, oh, man, I'm gonna take one for the team, okay. <laughs> I took a deep breath and I like jumped off, right? Just like, like if I was falling off a building, like didn't like no feet, right? Just kind of face first. And that mattress was, it was hard. It was a hard mattress, but it's okay. <laughs> but it definitely knocked the wind out of me. Um, and I was like, oh my God, that was rough. Uh, and so we ended up putting more cushion on it, but that first, that first hit was, was definitely a doozy. Uh, and then the second kind of funny thing is, uh, well, we, um, we did Little Shop. We had an Audrey, we built our own Audrey plant. And so our pod four is the one where Audrey and Seymour and everyone kind of dies and gets swallowed. Um, the throat of Audrey was is kind of an incline and it, you would kind of slide in and slide eventually under the stage so you could like get out, right? And it was all hidden and so you can see people um, kind of get swallowed and leave. So again, I was like, well, let's, let's give it a shot. You know, I want to make sure this is safe. So I said, I'm going to test this out. And uh, so I, I, I wanted, I wanted to dive in for some odd reason. I wanted to dive into Audrey's throat. And so I 
kind of took it back. I kind of took two steps back and I jumped for it. That thing was like a slide, right? But it was a slide that was only like two feet long. And oh my God, it was the scariest thing. But I dove head first and I hit the floor and I slid down under the platform. And I was like, goal and done. This was really scary. I said, granted that, you know, none of the actors are going to like run and dive into Audrey because that's just not how it works. But definitely was was scary. I've done things like that. What is a, what's a resource? Uh, You've given us some great things so far, but is there anything else that's just kind of burning that we need to know about as teachers that's kind of a must have either for a bookshelf or a bookmark on our internet browser or um, yeah, there's two. Well, I mean, there's a bunch of Facebook groups, right? And so I know you're located in Illinois, but um, the UIL one at Clay Facebook group is really good. Um, it's it's mostly for Texas teachers because we have UIL, but um, there's a lot of non-Texas teachers on there too. They have really good resources. Um, the Texas Theater Exchange is another Facebook page, and uh, the Technical Theater Educators Facebook page. I'm part of this costuming Facebook page that I really like. It's called Cheer Madness, uh, the joy of impractical costuming. And some of the stuff on there is really cool. Um, I learned about that. I went to a conference in California a couple of years ago called Costume College, which is like a hardcore costume convention, like historic, historical costume. Uh, it's, it's just amazing if you ever, if you ever decide to go. And uh, so I found out about Sheer Madness and they always post a lot of cool stuff. And I'm always posting questions on there and about like, hey, if I needed to do this and this, what was the, what'd be the best way? And they, there's a lot of, again, historical people on there. So if I had a question like, hey, did uh, little girls wear, you know, tights in the 1800s or some weird question, they're like, oh yeah. And they have all this historical information with, to be accurate. It's really cool. Um, there are two websites that I go to frequently. Um, one of them is called hauntforum.com, like haunt as in Halloween haunt. Um, I get a lot of ideas from the haunt industry. And uh, one of the coolest things that I found on that forum is called Monster Mud. And a lot of people use scenic dope, but I have used Monster Mud to create like, uh, it's basically like a joint compound paint, co- uh, paint mixture. And so you can dip fabric in it. You like squeegee it out and you drape the fabric and it turn it dries the way it's draped so it looks it still looks soft and so a lot of people in the haunt industry lose it, use it for like grim reapers out in the lawn and and it's the coolest kind of thing. but i always look for um things in the form there and i'm not a religious person but church stage design ideas.com is another weird one um they do a lot of cool whenever i'm kind of stuck with like, well, I want that set to be abstracty, or mm, I don't know them. Uh, how can I use? How can I make stained glass or something? I'll go to that website and I kind of just type in stuff. And you know, there's these mega churches that just have tons and tons of money, and they they are like full designs. And some of them use really cool products, and they kind of like detail like how they made these stained glass windows or how they made these light up LED columns or how, you know, and it's really cool. Cause like I said, you can get some cool um, ideas um, using like kind of everyday material. Oh, those are great. Thank you. 
Um, and then my final question for you is what are your parting words of wisdom for new teachers or veteran teachers uh, in the field right now? Um, I think, I think for me, it's, it's again, learn as much as you can. I don't think, I think right now we live in a day an age where we have knowledge at our fingertips. We have it on our phone. We can Google anything we want. There should never be a reason why you can't learn something or you don't know how to do something because like I said, you can probably Google it. Um, as far as new teachers, I think something that kind of bothers me as far as new teachers is that um, when you're in college, you're not really taught how to be a social worker. And I think um, if you're going to start teaching, um, if you're still in college and you're about to graduate and start, like you kind of have to come to the realization that like the world is not perfect. And that when, you, what are you going to do in the moment that you are hit with a child that needs your help? Like how, how do you as a person handle that professionally? And I think that's, that's something that was never taught to me. And so I was, I was unprepared like my first year emotionally for that kind of stuff. Um, and I think, I think as a first year teacher, you need to, or going into your first year teaching your first job, you need to kind of know that, that you're going to be faced with kids that might be hungry, kids that are poor, kids that might have poor hygiene, kids that are afraid to come out of a closet for, you know, to their parents. Like, how are you going to be their champion? How are you going to help them? Um, but and it also goes back to, I guess, backtracking a little bit. Um, you sh if you're gonna if you're gonna teach tech, you need to learn to be a lifelong learner. You know, you need to learn to just not stop. Um, and to in or and again, in order to empower your students, you need to empower yourself. I think those are great words. Uh, I think those are fantastic. And uh, I'll, I'll I'll add to what you were saying about the being prepared for anything coming at you um, and with, with your kids is being on this end of of te teaching and preparing teachers there's only so much i can tell you on this end that you know i can give you some tips tips and tricks that you know are very generalized or tell you about my experiences with it but your experience is going to be very different than mine and every every experience that you have is probably going to be different from the last uh so you there's only so much I can teach you, but you have to be present with your kids. You've got to have that relationship with them and, and, and you've just, you've got to be prepared and know the right things to put in their hands to empower them and, and help them. So I appreciate you saying that. I think, I think that's really important. So thank you. Um, well, Mel, thank you so much for talking with me today. I appreciate you reaching out and you, your kids are really lucky and, and, and your program is very lucky to have you. So I appreciate all that you're doing and, and I'm, I'm going to keep up with you and, and, and watch all the cool things that you do with your kids. So thank you so much for sharing, sharing your stories with us. Yeah. Thank you for having me on here. <laughs> 
Thank you, Mel Edwards, so much for joining me on Fed Talks. I really appreciate all that you had to offer. For those of you listening, I would encourage you to check out Mel's tech theater page on Instagram. It's called Rouse Tech, R-O-U-S-E-T-E-C-H. She is constantly posting pictures of her kids at work and, and all the different uh, exercises and, and projects that she has them do. So I encourage you to check that out. Again, that's Rouse Tech, R-O-U-S-E-T-E-C-H on Instagram. I'm going to turn my attention now to talking with Emma, my student teacher. It's been about two weeks since we've chatted, and she's had a lot going on. So I'm excited to hear what her past week has been like and uh, just kind of fill you in on what she's been doing and where she is. Well, the last weeks have been the meat of actually teaching. Like, there's no, like, getting to know you left and Scott and David were joking around like this is the week that the students feel free to cry in the classroom or something to that effect, um, which has actually in some ways been more fun as the student teacher because you get to be like the teacher teacher Um, because from the students perspective they're like oh god we're in school but from my perspective it's like oh god like I'm teaching which has been super fun Um, so in the past week it was my first week alone in the classroom and I feel so lucky to have the group of students that I have uh, because the rapport that I've been able to build with them has been so awesome. And I feel like when I walk into the classroom, um, like it, even in the progress of one week, like when I walked into the classroom last Friday, I had this exercise plan and it was one that Gianna did, Jimmy. This is hilarious. So Jim, so Jimmy took us to a high school where we all taught many lessons. And one of my classmates taught this lesson that in some ways was really successful. But at the time we were like, okay, this needed to be scaffolded in X, Y, Z different ways. Right. I'm brilliant, you can tell, but I was like, oh, this would be great with my acting one students. And I did it and it, (laughs) they were all like, this is so hard. (laughs) And I was like, you know what? This is too hard. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry. And, but it turned into a moment of us kind of laughing and they were like, what do you mean? Yeah. So it was really, it was funny, but So then contrasting that with Friday, just yesterday, which was the first day that they went up and they performed eight lines of a monologue by themselves, memorized. And like, just the work that we did over the week to get them there and the pride that I felt watching them get up and do their first eight lines, which feels so big to them, um, was was such a big moment for me because the, that like that pride, it it kind of radiates throughout the room and, and it was such a good way to end the week with them. And I said, thank you for um, being great this first week. And, you know, it was, I, you know, I'm sure that the next couple of weeks with them, there will be moments where I'm, you know, make a lot of mistakes because I already have. And, but the cool thing about the classroom is like, that doesn't mean that it's a bad classroom or that doesn't mean that I'm a bad teacher. And it's just like what happens along the way to what is still ultimately such a fulfilling thing. What are, or what is a or multiple lessons that you have learned over the last two weeks for yourself? I have learned to take care of myself more. You and I have had a couple of conversations about that recently, um, where you have had to remind me to um, eat like a normal person and sleep even more than a normal person. 
Um, and something that I was sharing with you is that it's so easy to let my time fall into like the area of gray and that like any moment could be used for a work opportunity and any moment I could be reading a book bettering my practice or any moment I could be looking up materials for classrooms. Um, like it's, it's all fair game, it seemed like, but it's ultimately like more, more healthy, but more useful for me to place those boundaries on my time. Um, and I never thought that I would have to like go out of my way to make social plans because usually like my planner is <laughs> just full of coffee dates with random people, but it's been something that like teaching is exhausting and something that I had to learn was like, if you don't force yourself to go out and be a normal person, you go kind of, kind of nuts. Well, it's just, I think, I think like you and I have talked about, like I even struggle with that sometimes. And that was one of, I mean, during when I was in the classroom still, I, if I had a free weekend, I mean, I, I, I did, I wanted to go see more plays. I wanted to go help this teacher friend out. I wanted to go work on this set. And I, I, there were things I could be doing at school. I could clean my classroom. I could go do this. And I had a key, a master key. I could get in anytime I wanted, but we had to, I have to, I have, we have to learn to protect that time. We have to, we're worth protecting that time. And we have to see that. Because like when you're a student teacher, you don't have all that time that you've already put in. I feel so eager to put it in like, oh my gosh, I've been waiting so long to spend my weekends in all these ridiculous ways. And this is so exciting. And I love the work of being a teacher. Um, but you're absolutely right. And you can still love being doing the work of being a teacher, but you'll love it even more when you're, when you are rested, when you feel better because you're eating three meals a day, when you're, you know, you're taking your vitamins and you're drinking your water and you're, you're doing, and you're not just living on a cup of coffee five times a day, you know, yeah. and you enjoy going to dinner with your friends on a Friday night or eating chicken McNuggets and watching bad TV, you know, whatever that is. <laughs> Don't expose me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, good. I'm glad to hear that you're learning some things. I'm glad to hear things are going well. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing you teach this week because I, I loved watching you two weeks ago. I think I talked about, talked about that on the podcast then, but um, you had a great lesson. The kids really love you and, and that's evident and you love being there. So I'm, I'm just, I can't wait to see what else you do. I can't wait for you to come see it. Thank you so much to my guest, Emma and Mel Edwards, for chatting with me today on the show. I really appreciate that, and I hope you got a lot out of that. Thank you for listening and for checking out what we're doing here every week. If you haven't checked out our website yet, you need to do so. That's www.fedtalks.com. You can find all of our past episodes of the show. You can find the show notes, our archives, our transcripts of the episodes, and all of the resources from each of the teachers we've had on the show. You can find how where to find the podcast. If you don't want to just listen to it through the website, you can subscribe to our podcast on any of your favorite podcast providers, Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, AnyPod, tune in, go on your favorite provider, subscribe to the show, rate us, review us, and share the, what we're doing here with uh, those people, those theater teachers and theater students in your life. 
Do not forget to submit your questions, your situations, and your stories to our new segment, which we'll be introducing soon. It's called So This Just Happened. We want to hear from you. Submit your scenarios, your questions, and your situations so that we can read them on the show and discuss them with possible responses, solutions, and interventions to your submission. You can submit as many of those as you'd like to have us discuss, but please only submit those topics that do not need immediate attention and are not emergency-type questions. If you would like to discuss this with us, actually, on the show, please be sure to leave your contact information in the form that you can find on fedtalks.com. Just click the link that says, so this just happened, and you can fill out the form there, and we will get in touch with you. I also want to bring your attention to the pep talks that are now being featured on all our social media. It's a quick video um, where I get to muse about a particular topic that's on my mind and share those thoughts with you and then interact with you on social media where you give me your thoughts and your, your, your responses to what I've shared. You can find those on all of our social media. We have Twitter at Theater Ed Talks, Tumblr, fedtalks.tumblr.com. You can find us on Facebook at Fed Talks, Instagram, Fed Talks Podcast, and of course our website, www.fedtalks.com. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or if you have an idea for something that we can talk about here on the show or you have some feedback for me, I'd love to hear that. You can email me at fedtalkspodcast at gmail.com and I will respond to all the emails that do come through. So please take advantage of that and I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you, Joel Hamlin and Joshua Schusterman, once again for the use of your original songs, Magnetize and Flip the Record for the show music. I appreciate what you guys are doing. And teachers, I appreciate what you are doing. I know we are getting right into the, we're a good halfway through the first quarter, if not even wrapping up that first quarter for some of you. Um, it's, uh, we're all probably t- feeling a little tired. We're, we're, we're enjoying the school year still, but we have a lot going on. So keep your heads above water and keep doing these great things you're doing with your students. And if no one else has told you today, I appreciate what you're doing. Thanks for listening and check us out next week.